JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the dickens. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Watson hands off the Ford. Big run. He's got a first down and more. He's at the 50, the 40. He's at the 30 of the Colts. The 20, the 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Third and seven. Three receivers for the Colts. Bunch to the right side. We've got a man got him. off got sides him. for the Browns. Flags are down. Free play for the Colts. They throw it downfield. It's caught by Indianapolis. Touchdown. down. Scooty down the near sideline. 10, 5, touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Minshew goes out of the gun to the quarterback. And he's going to take off and run it himself. He's at the 10. Anglin left five. Touchdown, Gardner Minshew. They're going to direct snap it to Hunt. They do. He goes right up the gut. He has hit, and he falls forward into the end zone for a touchdown. Kareem Hunt, first and goal at the four-yard line for the Colts. Again, it's Minshew left side, and he makes one man miss. Dives upfield across the goal line. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. At the goal line, Minshew waiting on the shotgun snap. Flushed out left, throws oh. the ball, and it is Garrett. Garrett again. available for the taking in the end zone on a strip sack. We've got a fumble. It's recovered by the Browns. Minshew goes out of the gun. Ball in the left hash. Shotgun snap. They give it to Taylor. Right side, angling into the end zone. Touchdown! Minshew looking over the defense. Four on the play clock. Takes a snap. RPO. Fires it upfield. Caught over the middle. Michael Pittman Jr. There he goes! He's at the 40. He's at the 30. Slips out of a tackle. 20, 10, 5. Fourth and goal at the one. They give it to Hunt. Hunt looking, trying to get in the end zone, and he crosses the plane for a touchdown. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Final score here at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's the Browns 39 and the Indianapolis Colts 
38. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, Rick Venturi mixed in there a little bit too. And the end result yesterday really did suck. And I'm not ready. And I've heard a lot of you, you guys telling me that, hey, it's time to be uh, entertaining and losing. I'm not ready for that whatsoever. I I hate that, in fact. I'm I'm so sick and tired of that. I I know what you're talking about in terms of trying to get up in the draft. I do gather that. But at the same time, I'm sick and tired of it. And I just want them to win games where you should win games. And they did not do that yesterday. And there's no doubt there was a myriad of issues really on and off that field when you look at it. I mean, you could look at it from, uh, you, you know, turning the ball over, which you just simply can't do this team with not any margin for error. The other thing that's so disappointing is, you know, after being there and watching it, and it's not like you guys saw anything different if you sat at home, but that Cleveland team sucked yesterday. It was terrible. Their, their offense was all – P.J. Walker was terrible. Terrible quarterback. <laughs> and Deshaun Watson, luckily he had some place to go hide. Or let me say this, his head coach gave him some place to go hide. Because that thing was going right down the drain. It was really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I mentioned this before. One of these days when things stop happening, and I also mean good fortune, one of these days when things stop happening is going to be yet another step into getting back where you hope this team can get and consistently. And I mentioned this to Jake and Jimmy and Eddie a little bit earlier. It always seems like consistently in the rear view here in recent history that this team will take two steps forward and then everybody gets excited and then three steps back. And you just kind of keep moving in that general direction. Give you a great example. Ah, Shane Steichen... Shane Steichen yesterday offensively, there's no way this Browns team was ready for Gardner Minshew to play out of the Anthony Richardson handbook. Or in this case, playbook. There was no way they were ready for that. And I know what you're saying about the Browns defense. You know, they just weren't legit. Who did they play? Well, I mean, they they played San Francisco. They were legit. They came in and they were tough. And you saw one of the reasons why went wild yesterday in Miles Garrett. You know, another reason why had an interception yesterday with Denzel Ward. But they had been as good as anybody until that point. And I thought Shane Steichen had put together something that was a little offbeat. And I loved it. Like, you guys loved it. But you just can't mix in those miscues. You know, the fumbles, you know, the interception, the blocked field goal attempt, which was an amazing play by Miles Garrett. But dang, you jumping over your two linemen? I think it was Ryman and Nelson, right, on, on the line during that? I mean, jumping over. So you look at that way. Shane Steichen, I thought, did a tremendous job of getting things ready offensively, preparation. 
and oftentimes execution. But again, the mistakes, the mistakes derailed this. And then you also put your team's offense deep in its own territory um, that had been mistake prone and far from what you want it to be. And really, when you look at that strip sack and that fumble recovery for a touchdown, I believe it was Fields that Miles Garrett created, that was that was just red meat. Man, that's just hanging it out there. It's just like dangling that, okay, come after, come after, because we know you got Jake Freeland on that side, and I think it was Alec Ogletree that came out there and, and tried to help, really, I don't know what the hell they were doing. I have no idea what they were doing. And, and you could say, well, you know, that is Miles Garrett, but I think the only thing that happened on that play was Freeland maybe got a hand on him as he flew by. <laughs> That's about it. I, I really don't know. It looked like that they wanted to double team. And then by the time they were ready to double team, Garrett had already passed him by. But, I mean, you, you are just, you are tantalizing, you are teasing. He was chomping at the bit to, if he wasn't already there, propel himself into a midseason conversation for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And that's what he did. I mean, everybody's talking about that yesterday. Everybody's talking about his individual performance. You know, from that special teams play to defensively. You got LeBron James chirping about it. I mean, everybody's talking about it. And when with those particular plays deep in your own territory, I know that sometimes it's boring just to go ahead and run it. And when we talk about, you know, chewing some clock up, whatever, and who knows, maybe the Colts would have given that back in another fashion. But at that moment, that was not the right move. And then people ask me this all the time. So you love Steichen when he put together this offense and how it performed for the most part. So what do you think about him as a game manager? I'm not even going to view it as a lot of people have an aspect of being a game manager. I think sometimes, and I was talking to others earlier today about this, and maybe this is just all the evolution of a first-year young head coach. Most of these guys, like we think, right, at times – And I'm sure whatever you have done well in, whether it was sports or whatever business you're in, whatever career choice you have made, you think you're pretty stinking good at it, right? You think you're pretty good. And, you know, you're always up for the challenge to try to to make it better. You know, maybe to come up with some original idea to outfox, outplay, outwit. It's almost like you're playing a board game. Or maybe even an old school video game. To me, it's not even being a game manager. It's outfoxing yourself. It's outsmarting yourself. I'm not even going to suggest that he believes he's the smartest guy offensively in the room, on the sideline, on that field. I'm not going to say that because I don't think it is out of the realm that, that he isn't. I think he is. I think he is really smart. And that is justified with what he does offensively. But in turn, I think it's going to take a minute to understand that you're not always out there and going to be willing to outfox and outsmart 
that other team on the sideline. You know, especially when it was a foregone conclusion that there is such a titanic difference between one individual player and certainly what you had on the right side there. I mean, it looked like that they were schemed up, and it's a really bad combination, too. What do they call it? The perfect storm? Uh, You have a quarterback who made plays yesterday, but even when the play is in front, like Kyle Hamilton, for example, how many times did Kyle Hamilton in that game against the Ravens did did he rush and nobody touched him and, and Gardner Minshew didn't see him? And all three times, I believe it was three times, when he blitzed, it was within or should have been within his line of sight. It wasn't blindside stuff. And it is, when you talk about Gardner Minshew, it is really important to not only come off the bench, you know, guide this team, you want to stay away from the mistakes, but you also, you have to understand who you're dealing with and know that you're not going to be able to sit back there and pick and choose and make decisions down the field. You got to do something with that. And especially him, I mean, hell, I'm just talking about those that may be coming from the blind side, but he struggles with that pocket awareness with the play that's right in front of him, with the players that are coming at him, you know, something within his line of sight. And you knew going in, that had been problematic. That wasn't the first time that that was a problem. You know, I mentioned that Baltimore game. That was one, two, three times. And then finally, they ended up doing something with it. But if you're Shane Steichen, you've you got to understand, to me, that situation. And I don't think it's him as a game manager, and I know it's not him in putting together an offense. And I'm not going to say a great deal critical about him other than you know sometimes you don't necessarily have to try to be the smartest guy in the room or on the sideline or on the field you know, sometimes you know going for it sometimes taking the points and these are all things I'm assuming a young coach will learn and I mentioned this I was going kind of back and forth in a good way a nice way with uh, Bobby Jefferson, who was a listener to this show yesterday about it. And I was the first to tell you, I I think I have a little bit of tunnel vision because I got so sick and tired of the Frank Reich era. We were all so sick and tired of the Chuck Pagano era. This is so still, I mean, even with that mishap at the end of the half yesterday, this is still, still so incredibly refreshing that I will admit I mean, maybe I would go after him a little bit harder and put all the blame. You know, it cost him 10 points, and that's on you. That's your fault. If I wasn't so incredibly re-energized and refreshed because you have a coach, and you have a really good offensive coach and a really good young mind that I think will learn from this crap. Now, believe me, it wasn't a great moment. It was not a great moment, and you can be highly critical. I'm just telling you in terms of how I looked at it. I mean, you have a history that you know about with this team, and you know your personnel, and you know maybe the worst matchup on the planet would be Freeland on the right side, and I don't care if you called in the National Guard to help him out. And he gave him help over there, and they both just kind of waved me. Oh, wait, there he goes. <laughs> right by him. 
you just got to not outsmart, outfox yourself. Man, going for it's cool as hell. Going for it's cool as hell when it works. How many times this year have you looked back and you thought, yeah, I don't know about that one going for it. I know taking the points is boring. That's the stuff that I want to see and I would expect to see him learn. Not that he is some critically flawed game manager because he's, you know, focused in on calling the plays and all that. <laughs> they put up 38 points. I mean, hell, I thought they would score 19. Well, that'd be a big one. First to 20 is what I said on the pregame show. It put up 38, and while the Browns aren't a good team, the Browns have critical individual and certainly more talented players in two positions, and the Colts can't match that. There's a reason why you call guys like Miles Garrett game wreckers, because that's what they do. And the situation you can't have is for the game wrecker, to have such a prevalent moment, and he did. And really, it was Shane Steichen playing into the hand, I guess, of Jim Swartz. They were getting down the field on Jim Swartz. I mean, we had talked about Jim Swartz, the defensive coordinator. Look what he had done with that team. That's great. That defense, well done. And, you know, they went down the field. With this team... The margin for error is so slight, you mess up, and it's going to wreck your day. You have a miscue. You have a misfortune. You have what they call a brain fart, and that is probably going to be the difference because you just can't make it up in a lot of ways. All right, I do want to get to the end of the game and the officiating. I don't often go all in on NFL officials. I really don't know why. I love going in on the NBA officials. That's my favorite thing to do. Here's what I saw yesterday. See if you guys will follow along. And it's weird, right? It is weird because there were two, they were back-to-back, and it was a guy that has an absolute target on his back for everybody in Daryl Baker Jr., like, my man was living an absolute nightmare late in that game. A nightmare. But he has a target from every, a focus from everybody. Everybody was going at him. Now, it seems like everybody's on the same page with the final moving it up to the one being the pass interference that was an uncatchable ball. All that is true. And the, the P.I. was crapola. I mean, the P.I. call was ridiculous. But Daryl Baker Jr. had a hold of his arm in the end zone. It was absolutely a hold. Something easily could have been called and should have been called. Just not the pass interference. The pass interference was stupid. So you could have called. I think he started holding, actually. About midway, maybe a quarter of the way into the end zone. And he kept a hold of it. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of different situations here. But before you go all crazy and go, oh, yeah, okay, it was his fault and that was a bad call, before you freak out like a lot of you did yesterday, it should not have come to that 
because the illegal contact was ridiculous. And let me let me tell you how you know it's ridiculous. I know about a thousand times many of you have gone back to that piece of video and you have watched it. And depending upon whatever side you're on, you have in your own mind created reasonable doubt. You see an initiation of contact from Amari Cooper. If you're on the other side, you say, yeah, you know what? Baker Jr. did reach out. You see all of that. Here's what you did not see, and here's the reason why that should not have been flagged. And this is to me. The one thing you didn't see is 98% prevalent in the NFL today. And that is somebody's reaction to it. Am I wrong about this? Did Amari Cooper react whatsoever? Did he think anything happened to him? He thought the game was over. He thought the game was over. Had no idea. He did. He pushed off to get space. Daryl Baker Jr., because he was living a nightmare, was looking to try to do anything. If he would have had a shopping cart, he would have rolled that out there to try to trip him up. Anything whatsoever. Anything. Amari Cooper didn't think there was a flag. Or anything was flag-worthy. You want to know why? Because it was not. It was a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, and something that they say, and they say this all the time, you can see this on every single down. And you're right. So it's weird. I see everybody going with that particular call and going, yeah, you know what? I think that's the right call. I think that that's the most egregious because that absolutely positively cost you the game. There's zero reason for that flag to come out there. None. None whatsoever. I I guess other than it's Daryl Baker Jr. And you're probably conditioned to know that something like that's going to happen to him. I don't know. Maybe it's just bad fortune. I know. I talk about karma all the time, normally in jest. But to me, of the two calls, that was much more the egregious call. Here's what's funny about the second one. You go back to the Giants-Bills game of about a month ago. And this thing goes down on the final two plays. And the first of the final two was a flag that put the ball down on the one. And Buffalo was defending against the Giants for the game. And the Giants went back to the air. And actually, the second was worse. And you know what happened? No flags were thrown. I think normally, right, in those situations, how rare is it when the same guy gets a back-to-back flag under those circumstances? You know, at the end of the game there. That seems incredibly rare. And listen, Daryl Baker Jr. was just hoping for anything. Like, again, he was living in an absolute nightmare. But I got to flip it around. To me, the second wasn't. And if it was anything, it was a hold. If, it, if you're going to call it a PI, it wasn't that. There was a lot of holding going on. 
But you look at that first one, the illegal contact that was flagged after the game was basically over right there. That's the one that, to me, is the absolute worst. And again, you watch the end of that play, and there is zero reaction from the guy normally playing the position where on any play during the game, there's a reaction. Any play. If that ball's in your general vicinity and somebody puts a finger on you, you are looking someplace for a flag. You're doing the throwing the flag motion. There was nothing. Why? Because he thought the game was over. He thought there was nothing to see here because there wasn't. He's right. They got that flag. They got that reprieve. And here we are. Hey, you can do and describe and define both ways here. I mean, you can go with, yeah, this team screwed up and they let, you know, P.J. Walker, who sucks beyond suck, go down the field on them on that final drive. There's no doubt. Elijah Moore is still wide-ass open for whatever reason. And Gus Bradley, the other part about this is, Gus Bradley, did you guys notice how effective it was when they blitzed? And I know that you want to try to protect the back end, but that's not working. And you know what? It's not going to work. So bring every – P.J. Walker could not handle a moment of it. And I know that maybe I'm suggesting too much on every play, but every play. I mean, you got to look at your personnel and go, yeah, this is not going to be good even with P.J. Walker out here. So let's just make sure we end this. I'm assuming that's probably what – Jim Swartz and Cleveland thought defensively. We can foul this up a little bit with Gardner Minshew. We saw what happened in Jacksonville last week. We can work him into making mistakes. It's almost like you go back to that Rams game and you look when you had a hobbled Matthew Stafford and you know you went with the four-man rush and a four-man rush that wasn't getting there and you're wondering if you're going to get your ass whipped on the back end as they did in that game anyway at the end for the touchdown if you're going to if you're going to allow that you know that's going to happen why not take that away by bringing everybody anybody that you can in that situation i wondered about it in that game and hell i'll be honest with you i wondered about it in that final drive on almost nearly every play they had to go score a touchdown and it's pj walker So we'll talk about that. I have a lot of time. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. But that's how I saw it yesterday. That's how I saw it regarding the late flags. Everybody was complaining about it. I didn't really go on record yesterday and complain about it because I would have been probably having to go back and forth on social media until midnight, and I didn't really want to do it. But that's what I saw. And it's weird, too, because everybody around here just is kind of you know, sidestepping you know, the illegal contact call. That's what really saved the game for Cleveland. That saved it. The game was over. That was, to me, more of a side of nothing. No harm, no foul. And certainly, you could have flagged Daryl Baker Jr. on that second one. Because he was holding on tight. Holding on tight. 
Uh, we can talk about that, see if you guys agree with me or not. I'm assuming most will agree with me because that would have given the Colts a win, and I think most people out there believe that they were robbed from it. I just thought, I thought Amari Cooper told me all I needed to know. Like, the dude was shocked. Wait a minute, what? What happened here? The guy on me? Unless I missed it and they called it on somebody else. That's what I saw. Could not believe it. And that's yet another hurdle that this team is going to have to get over. And that is not believing that you're going to get it in the end. This is just kind of where, with the lack of good fortune, with the lack of consistent play, you know, with blips on the radar in terms of of coaching a situation or, you know, trying to outsmart, outthink the situation, all these play a role in why you end up losing games. And people often ask me, oh, also, by the way, too, uh, Grover Stewart, who they went absolutely at with him not being there on that first drive, that's all a part of this, too. That's why I said, no more for the shoe, stop jacking around. This team is just not ready to be that yet. And that's what we've seen. They've got the makings in bits and pieces, but they're not ready to be that. It was incredibly disappointing to lose to stinking P.J. Walker. And Deshaun Watson, (laughs) he's awful. Good luck with that. You know, how many truck stops have to flourish to be able to pay $260 million for that? Holy crap. That's a lot. You guys laugh about the whole Shaquille Leonard contract around here. Can you imagine if you had that albatross around your neck? Uh, We got that. Uh, Not a great weekend at IU. (laughs) Only if the Enchirito were still available. Get to that story coming up. IU loses to Rutgers. A little baseball to mix into. Get your thoughts. Shane Steichen met with the media a little bit earlier today. We'll get your thoughts on that as well. 239-1070. Email the address, jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Win Schuler's Spreadable Cheeses Lounge. Get in there, interact, and watch, listen, and uh, just be a part of the discussion in there. Busy week. I'll tell you what we're going to be doing during this busy week as well. And uh, a busy day, I'm assuming, to get back to you at 239-1070 on the other side. HD Radio, the stream, the app at 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Colts Roundtable tonight at 6 o'clock. ALCS Game 7. Man, that American League Championship Series has been a blast. A blast. Uh, We're brought to you by the Shane Company. Fine jewelry since 1929. Shane Company made the shine. Ah, man, what a bummer yesterday. See, I don't want to get caught in the trap because I want to tell you it was an enjoyable game to watch, but it was an absolute BS outcome. So, no, I'm not suggesting it was 
an entertaining loss. It was. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the call down the stretch. Rick Venturi was awesome on the radio network. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Uh, JMV previous coaching staff would have been lucky to score 15 points yesterday. And a lot of you are going to say, hey, you're not coming hard after Shane Steichen. Um, I probably have a little bit of tunnel vision there. I called it a blind spot yesterday via social media. I am so glad that he has not been anything like Wright Pagano. But I understand this, and that's something I'm assuming he'll grow into, is not trying to outwit and outthink everybody every single time. Hey, maybe if you want to take – no, not even that. I was going to say, if you want to take even like the slightest chunk of Reich, but I don't even want to do that. Just on your own, understand – the listen, going balls to the wall and going for it all the time is outstanding. But when you put yourself in that situation, which what was, I think, for many out there, deep in your own territory like that before the end of the half – was that for you a presumable outcome? A disaster? It was kind of a disaster waiting to happen? Yeah, not in that situation is what I would suggest. Hey, JMV, no knock on Menchu, but Menchu is a better leader, more likable than Carson Wentz. Uh, are we comparing uh, Menchu to Wentz? Hey, Wentz, Wentz had moments when he delivered. It just wasn't in the final two weeks of the season. And the whole Wentz thing had certainly 100% to do with the owner. I think that there were still fans out there that thought you may have had a little bit of what they say, meat on that bone. Uh, but the owner wasn't going to have that. It's from Kyle JMV. I totally agree. Cooper said it all. Zero. I see calls, 59, 30 minutes, and that was the call that they made. I'm telling you, when I saw Amari Cooper, it, it was like he thought the game was over. He didn't have any issue with the way he was played whatsoever. 98% of wide receivers in the NFL cry to the officials if they get a fingernail placed on them. That's That was the egregious call. And it's weird around here. Everybody thinks, oh, well, I like that one. <laughs> no, we don't. That one sucked. <laughs> that was the one that actually cost you the game. Game was over. Game was over, and Amari Cooper knew it. That's how I knew. How often does a wide receiver get to fully extend his arm for separation? There is no doubt. And you know why he was trying to get that separation? Because you need a wide berth of separation. When you know that that football is going to be thrown at you from P.J. Walker, who probably couldn't win anything at the county fair. That's mean-spirited. I cannot believe this team got beat by stinking P.J. Walker yesterday. I can't believe that. Now, we can go at them hard about the way they play defense late. You can go at them hard about the way they play defense. And and, and I'm and specifically here, every single play, you got to go get that quarterback. Much like I mentioned that it was meat deep in your own territory before the half, and it was a disaster waiting to happen 
let's face it, in all, look back yesterday, in all blitzing situations against P.J. Walker, all those situations that Gus Bradley called, he crapped his pants every time. Every one of them worked. Every one. If you're going to let Elijah Moore be wide open down the field, <laughs> and that's going to, I mean, you're not playing that safe. I know he likes to play it safe. We're going to play it safe on this. That's not playing it safe. You know, it's weird, too, because you look at it on the other side. I, I thought clearly Shane Steichen was going for offensively something that he believed that Cleveland's defense was not ready for. In situations like that, or maybe even further situations down the road, considering what is likely going to be that secondary, I wish Gus Bradley would take on some of that thought process. Now, give them something that they're not going to be ready for. You watch the film, and they're going to sit back and play some soft-looking zone. So I thought that's what Shane Steichen did yesterday. I thought he gave Cleveland offensively a lot of what they did not expect. All right, 239-1070. Uh, Kevin's going to lead this show today. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Hey, John. How you doing? Kevin, I could not be better. Thank you for the call. Go ahead. Hey, um, man, you just put it in perspective and what I've been talking about. So what we have is we got Shane Steichen in the head coach. Yeah. And we got Gus Bradley in the defensive coordinator. These guys are on total opposite ends. They do not match most of the time, yes. Yeah. In respect to down the stretch, especially in, 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 in respect to the scheme. You know, Shane, like you said, Shane Steichen, you know, everybody's, you know, gearing up like, okay, he's going to be pocket passer, you know, normal stuff. There's no way he's going to, you know, do, you know, design runs and stuff like that. And what do we have? We had two of them. So that's a, a coach that has a winning scheme, like taking risks. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about some of the other stuff that he does. To me, Shane Sykin is the reason why the Colts are now – like, oh, okay, we got something versus, oh, this is just going to be no, a know, that's I, I feel that way too, Kevin. I, like, I, people were asking me, you should be going harder core for those you know decisions he made before the half. And while you wish he would rethink that, I, I can't because it is still so refreshing compared to what it has been around here. And I, I think ultimately, Kevin, he will learn that. I mean, he, he, yeah. he believes he's the smartest guy out there. And maybe he is offensively, but to be the smartest guy, you do have to have better decisions, know your personnel, know the situation better than he did in that moment. And I'm assuming that's something he will rethink and learn from. But tell me this, JMV. Yeah. So I know it's not typical. You know, Shane Steichen's the head coach. And he's not the issue in terms of scheme, because that's the issue we have. We got some dogs on the team. We got some dogs on defense. It's just the scheme, especially down the stretch. Can Shane Steichen or even will he pull uh, Gus Bradley's coattail? No. Because evidently, Gus Bradley, he doesn't know what 2 plus 2 is. This stuff is easy math. Like you just said, we drop back and prevent defense and not preventing nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why not just, you know, send EJ Speed up the middle, you know, and get after the quarterback? If he makes a, a 30-yard completion, I want to see that on, on the run instead of – sitting back here in the pocket. Now, DeForest Buckner got there, but he was too late. 
But if you had to send speed up there, maybe we'd be talking about something else right now. Hey, Kevin, and in, in, in closing here, and that's a really strong call, I would tell you this. I think both of us kind of sit here um, and, and think about this situation certainly differently than how – Gus Bradley might or how that team might we think about it in terms of what the hell you might as well you're in this situation throw everybody at you know what the hell what's it matter but they look at that differently than we do I think we're probably you know taking chances that maybe they don't feel they're prepared for meaning we we're wanting to put their their personnel in situations where maybe they're not accustomed to being there but we're doing that because we're in what the hell might as well type of mode I just don't think oftentimes that much that they're prepared for it. They can't be considering how often he blitzed yesterday. That thing seemingly got there every time, or at least it felt like it did. Every time. JMV, you you, you, uh, referenced the the Rams game. And I called in a while ago and talked about the Rams game, too. And I talked to Jake earlier, and I'm I'm telling him, if, if if we watch the Animal Planet, Especially guys, the main thing we want to see is when the lions are like on a hunt, and they're attacking. You know, they're following the wildebeest. Well, if there's one, and this is in, 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 in regards to the the, the uh, Rams game, if you got a wildebeest kind of limping along, like a hundred percent time, the lion are going to stop on the hard kill and go get the easy kill. But so what happened on the Rams the the Rams game? You got a limping quarterback. Why not send them? I'm talking about the end of regulation. We got two and 19. You sit back and let this dude complete a nine-yard pass and then another 10-yard, get the first down and go downfield. Just that kind of stuff, man, just kind of wears me out scheme-wise, and that's why I feel like we're going to get into these things and we're probably going to be in games like this that we shouldn't be but we're going to probably lose lose like 80% of them. Well, and thank you, Kevin, for the call. As I mentioned, it's easy for me – it's easy for Kevin to sit here and say, you know what? You're getting your ass whipped on the back end of this anyway. We're going down the, you're going down the field. You know, they had a couple of big chunk plays. You're going down the field. And he was reverting back to the Rams game. And I also agreed with that. You know, you were concerned about getting beat down the field and you end up getting beat down the field. I understand that these guys can't cover anybody. I understand that the end result of the game fell upon the shoulders of a guy that can't and didn't and got flagged for it. It's easy for us to sit here and easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, you got to go right at them and and give them something they're not ready for. Uh, But it's much more difficult for them to do that. I understand that fully. I will. I will say do some things that's out of the ordinary because you're still going to end up getting beat you know with this third string quarterback going down the field on you anyway with the limping quarterback and Matthew Stafford going down on the field anyway that's that's how I look at it and they don't and I get that I just think that's why I like Shane Shane Steichen went out yesterday say what you want about the end of the half but went out yesterday and you cannot deny he gave that Browns defense lauded in a lot of ways as the best of the NFL. He gave them looks. He gave them plays that clearly they weren't ready for. And when they were ready for it, you saw the outcome. 
when arguably the best defensive player in the NFL was ready for it, you saw the outcome. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Uh, top of the hour, nothing. Me and you, 5 o'clock hour. Stephen Holder will be here. Uh, Shane Company, fine jewelry since 1929. That's the Shane Company made to shine. Your thoughts on that? Colts lose yesterday, and I'm not going to say it. It was entertaining, but the loss sucks, and I don't care what you're telling me about Marvin Harrison Jr. or this or that. I don't want to hear it. Losing stinks. Get back to that thought next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Third and seven. Three receivers for the Colts. Bunch to the right side. We've got a man got him. off sides for the Browns. Flags are down. Free play for the Colts. They throw it downfield. It's caught by Indianapolis. Just down. Scooty down the near sideline. Ten. Five. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. A 59-yard broken play for the Colts. They had a free play as the Browns were off sides. Gardner Minshew threw it to a wide open balance for a touchdown. Uh, Matt Taylor right there on the call. Rick Venturi with him. Uh, a couple of Browns gave up on that play. And Josh, Josh Downs continues to put up numbers. Uh, welcome back to the show. In case you missed this earlier today, the Pacers agreed to a three-year, $33 million contract extension for forward Aaron Neesmith. That happened a little bit earlier today. Of course, the Pacers open up their season on Wednesday at home against the Washington Wizards. For them to get to my robust selection of 45, winning early when you've got a lot of home games is prioritized. Nope. Must win. Prioritizing early wins to get to my 45. Mike's up next to 239-1070. Hello, Mike. Hello, JMV. Hello, Mike. I'm fantastic. Thank you for asking. All right. Uh, the reason why I'm calling, I mean, uh, first of all, I do got complaints about the last couple calls. But my main complaint, though, is you know, the reason why the Colts lost that game. I mean, can somebody please tell me why wasn't nobody blocking Miles Garrett in that first half? Because he completely... I mean, completely wrecked that game for us. Nah, well, they had uh, they had two dudes that were supposed to, and uh, one guy. I think Freeland got his hand up. <laughs> That's uh, about exactly. it. I mean, then, uh, yeah. well, uh, yeah. well, he did like to tackle. I mean, he barely even moved. Come Clearly, on, they were not ready for that situation, and when Shane Steichen put them in that situation, um, that was not a smooth move. You know, I that mean, deep I in their mean, own territory, yes. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, that to me that falls back on the coaching. I mean, you you had to know where Miles Garrett was. Uh, Miles Garrett was lining up in that situation. Oh, I think they knew where he was. They just didn't execute <laughs> and keep him yeah, from I doing mean, what yeah, he wanted to do. Yeah, I think they knew where he was. Yeah, I believe Miles Garrett's beast. <laughs> no, Mike, you're off. right, Mike. You're right. Yeah, I think they knew though. Hey, man, thanks. You call anytime. If you're on hold, I'll get you on the other side. If you're not, get there. More reaction. Colts lose yesterday, Week Seven of the NFL, thirty-nine to thirty-eight. Colts now three and four on the season. Get the Saints coming up on Sunday. Response, reaction, and more. And Stephen Holder in the five o'clock hour. Coming up. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Colts have it in the Coca-Cola red zone. Minshew goes out of the gun to the quarterback. And he's going to take off and run it himself. He's at the 10. England left five. Touchdown! Gardner Minshew takes it from 17 yards out. And Minshew, with a rushing score, puts the Colts on top for the first time today. It's 13-7. Matt Taylor right there, the voice of the Colts. Colts lose 39-38 to the Browns yesterday. Um, I just saw this, and a shout-out to Eddie White who just sent me this. The Pacers are tipping off the season by giving away $50,000 in gas and groceries. Visit one of the Kroger locations below. I believe that is today. Is today the 23rd? Um, And here are the, the locations. 5810 East 71st Street in Indy. 5911 Madison Avenue, I believe the Madison Avenue location, that Edgewood, I think, Madison and Edgewood on the south side. East 10th Street. And then 8150 Rockville Road are the locations. 50,000 in gas and groceries. And they start this at 4.30 today. And by the way, each of these Kroger locations... See if they have any Winshuler spreadable cheese in there, too. We need our spreadability. Again, 71st Street. I'm assuming that's the one at Benford Boulevard, right? East 71st. I think I got my Kroger locations down. 5911 Madison Avenue, 4445 East 10th, and 8150 Rockville Road. Go out there and get you some. And then a report back. Make sure you send me a picture of they got any wind shoelers in there. Got to find it. But you guys could win big. I'd love to see that. Again, those four locations beginning at 4.30 this afternoon. Yeah, JMV, all they had to do was stop the seemingly most dominant defensive player in the league. Why didn't they just stop him? Oh, no, I don't think anybody was suggesting they were going to stop him. I I think that (laughs) playing into his hands at the end of the half was a little detrimental. I don't think anybody's believing he was going to get stopped. JMV, I love Steichen going for it at the end of the first half with over one minute left. I don't like Minshew's lack of awareness when pressure is about to get to him and Freeland's half-ass attempt to block on Miles Garrett. And see, Alex, here's what I mentioned in the first hour about that. That lack of awareness, and we've seen it, right? We saw it back especially in that Baltimore game with Kyle Hamilton coming at him. And that was basically in his face, and he didn't see it. No, I completely agree about the lack of awareness, but that lack of awareness should also be prevalent in the mind of Shane Steichen as to why you don't put a guy that was playing in college a year ago against arguably the best defensive player in the NFL right now. And even if you gave help, and clearly either they weren't on the same page or they they basically was a brush by. 
No, you don't put him in that situation. I think that's what everybody's saying. I don't think any, anybody out there is not trying to rob Shane Steichen of his aggressive play-calling nature. But that particular decision doesn't work. Hey, believe me, it is more than refreshing. And I mentioned this, the way that he got that offense going in that game, and nobody's going to say it, but he gave them offensively in different ways some things that the Browns did not appear to be ready for. It's just you, you can't put, as you just described, Menchu in a situation with that lack of awareness and in the portion of the field in which they were. That is just bad news right there. So that was my thought. Hey, by the way, JMV, PJ Walker had three uncontested completions for 56 yards, plus a 13 yard run. He also gave them a soft zone before the half, and they got a huge three. Sometimes that soft zone stuff is just bad ball, period. I know, and I'm not trying to apologize for my take on that as far as I know that you could argue that Daryl Baker Jr. would be in those situations even worse in what he did in committing penalties at the end of the game if you left him you know, on an island or if you sit everybody as I'm advocating. All I'm saying is that if you're going to get your ass whipped on the back end of that anyway or you're going to get flagged on the back end of it, You were so successful when you pressured, when you sent in a blitz, when you set up defensively that way. Seems like it almost got there every time. That's all I'm talking about. And thank you for that particular email because that's accurate. That's exactly what I was talking about on that final drive. I know it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but... No, I agree with that email wholeheartedly. Yeah, Steichen at the end of the half, that was rough. End of the game was Daryl Baker Jr. This is what I mentioned uh, regarding the two calls, the two flags. Uh, The second, and that seems to be where everybody goes, well, you know what, that wasn't a PI because it wasn't a pass interference. It was an egregious hold. It was that. But it wasn't a pass interference. The play that I take issue with is the one prior because that is the call. If you're going to look at a flag costing you the game, that costs you the game. And all I would do is to ask you to look. Look at the lack of reaction from Amari Cooper who didn't think anything was going on. He initiated contact. Baker Jr. was (laughs) losing his mind, (laughs) living a nightmare. Trying to, I'm sure, try to grab anything and everything. That, to me, was the flag that should not have been thrown. And it's weird around here. Everybody goes with that as, well, that was the easy call to make, but it was the second. Nah, nah, the first. And all you have to do is look at the lack of reaction from the guy that should have had the largest reaction, that should have been calling for it. Just turned around and thought the game was over. That is the call that I had an issue with.
Hey, JMV, did you talk about Pittman saying he guesses he wasn't part of the game plan with just two targets? I think he had five overall. I think that seems weird. Here's what I think. I think he went 75 yards on a run and then got you know penalized for the whole deuces thing like Tyree Kill did. And he's probably thinking, you know what? There's more left up, uh, left. There's more left in that tank if they would look at me more. And that's the type of reaction you get, especially in a game in which you lose in that fashion. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if his thought would be different if you were to ask him that today. I wonder if you would further explain why he didn't really mean it to sound like, hey, I'm not a part of this offense. Seems like a lot of guys could probably suggest game after game here that they haven't been a part of the offense. I mean, in fact, Jonathan Taylor finally got into gear. I mean, certainly that was like a heat of the moment type of reaction where you're mad. Yeah, maybe he is unhappy. That is something I'm sure that will be clarified. But no, that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever because he had that 75-yarder fired up. Wonder why there's probably not more. Five targets. And an incredibly disappointing finish. I think all that factors into it. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Uh, Keith is up next here in the 4 o'clock hour. Hello, Keith. How are you? Hey, John. How you doing, man? Fantastic. Um, I want to talk about the end of the first half, but after the Miles Garrett sack, we get the ball back. We run two plays. They call two timeouts. Yeah. It's third and long, I think. And we try a pass that Gardner throws straight into the ground because it's about to get blown up. Why aren't we running the ball and taking another 40 seconds off the clock and not leaving them any time to get that free three points? We lose by one. They would have needed the two-point conversion to win at the end of the game. You can't talk about points any other time of the game than at the end of the half. And I think that really cost it. No, 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 no. There's That's absolutely fair. And, and people want to blame that on bad game management. And while in the moment I think that is true, I just think that is more oftentimes we have seen him as a, a young coach that is really good offensively. I think we can all agree on that. That kind of outthinks himself in the moment. I think he learns from that. And I don't know if that's giving him a pass or not. Maybe that it is. I'm not sure. But I don't, I don't think he's going to be a bad game manager because of that. But, no, there's no doubt that in situations like that, I think he more needs to understand the personnel he's dealing with and thinking maybe what he has in his mind as absolute can't miss and better than the other side may not work because of that. I think that's a learned experience. Yeah, I think he'll learn from that in the future. Thanks for taking my call, man. Keith, anytime. Thank you very much. I saw him yesterday. T-Mobile Ray is at 239-1070. Hello, Ray. Hey, JMB. Um, I really uh, got to pay 1500 bucks for, a, like, a new 15 iPhone. Is that true? Um, Maybe not 15 but probably close to around it. Maybe, maybe find something a little cheaper or so. Maybe close to $1,000. I don't need, I don't need, need, a, I don't need an iPhone 15. I'm yeah. not active enough. Well, well, I'm I'm still on the iPhone 10. <laughs> I think I'm on the 11, man. I'm on the 11. I need I need to upgrade my TikTok game. I think here. So yeah, well, I, I barely get on TikTok. I only watch videos. Yeah, oh man, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. 
But hey, man, I wanted to say something. You you posted something on X uh, yesterday morning, and I commented on it, and I got about almost close to five or six sex bots in my inbox asking to hang out with me. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I do not. I do not. I don't follow any of these porn bots. I know I kind of sound like the guy that might, but I don't. I promise. I thought you guys bring that to me. I think we need to be looking at somebody else. I I think I'm the one that gets inundated with porn bots when somebody else comes here. I don't think that's because of me. I literally get a follow request from them, and then I, I get a, um, a, a, a DM, and, and they want to hang out with me, and they're asking for my email and all types of stuff. Like, you know, man. I, I, I never get that deep. I just see them lurking. I mean, there's always there's always one that asks me if I want to see something that looks like a blast or something like that, and I go, I don't know what that means at all, so probably not. Are you when when it, when when the title of it is Are you ready for a big splash? I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> hey man, I'm gonna catch up with you in question on time, but let me let me get, let me uh, call you and tell you why I called okay. you, man. Um, I think we're getting a little overcritical of this season, um, and 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 you even said it. This season needs to be just like uh, the Pacers season was last year. Yeah. And this season is all about growth and development. And so, in my opinion, this season has been a success. We've seen growth and development from areas we need to see, from the quarterback position um, and from this team just overall in the sense of this team rolled over on their back last year, and you're not really seeing this team roll over anymore. You're seeing this team go out there and give you – I don't want to sound like a loser when I say this, but they're going out giving you competitive games that end up in losses, but it's still competitive. And in my opinion, it's filling up Lucas Oil. Lucas Oil, I went last year, man, and it, it was getting empty. I seen bags over heads last year, bags over heads last year, and and – I don't get that vibe anymore when I go into the stadium, man. It's pumped. It's full of juice. We're hand-fiving, hand-shaking, hugging. We're doing almost everything but kissing (laughs) in the section I'm in. (laughs) Stop stop giving me these porn bots. Come on, man. (laughs) No, I get what what you're saying. Hey, T-Mobile Ray, I'll see you again soon. Come out to a show. All right. Um, I get what he's saying right there. I think – in terms of, well, this is a growing year, and while there are certain other aspects you would like to see grow, I throw that out the window because you're going to have rookie season, the sequel with Anthony Richardson. I, I know that you've seen, at least on the field, according to many of you, enough. Um, I haven't, so I'm different. Do I expect him to come out there? And Yeah, absolutely. But do I need to see more? Yes. And I think to view it as a growing type of season right now, in a lot of ways, is a waste of time. Thus, I revert back to, you know what? We're here. Why don't you just win? You're right here in this game. Why don't you win? That's how I look at it. I'm not putting these ridiculous expectations on it. I'm playing actually off of the expectations this team in a couple of different games, even in losses. 
have presented. So that's kind of where I live right now. Yeah, I do. I do get sick and tired of talking about losing. I think losing around here has become far too prevalent. And understandably, because I don't know what else you're doing, almost, I'm not going to say embrace, that's wrong. Accepted would be accurate. Well, you know what? We'll lose now, and then we'll get Marvin Harrison. You don't know that. I would rather them win right now, and even if they don't finish where you do finish, try to put something together where in the draft you can move up to get him. You know, make some moves. You're newly installed in year number one of the reboot, general manager, to make some moves. Why why do you have to just lose? I'm sick of that. My philosophy has been, we're here. Why don't you just go ahead and win it? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't give a damn about where they're going to slot coming up in April. That is up to them to figure out what is necessary to bring in here. Whether you have to trade for somebody that's already established or you think somebody's coming in this draft that you can get, yeah, that's for later. I'm worried about right now. I want to watch these guys perform right now. I don't want them to be a bad team. I don't want them to be a losing team. I don't want to have to come on here on Monday and be critical. I don't want to have to be critical of Shane Steichen because I think Shane Steichen is so good offensively. I think that's going to translate to other areas as a head coach on this team. But oftentimes, as we have seen, it is very hard to get out of your own way. And oftentimes, that has been all a too familiar path. And as I mentioned before, the whole two steps forward and three steps back. If you're here, go ahead and win. In that game yesterday, very winnable game. Next week, Sunday against the Saints, winnable. Carolina winnable, New England, all these games are winnable, so win them. I just get sick and tired of this defeatist attitude, and I know I've talked about the Pacers, but you got to keep in mind, we did set the bar low. It's this team, other than basically Jacksonville, that's putting themselves in position to win, coinciding with the schedule, so why not do it? I may be dead next year, and you guys will all celebrate. (laughs) I don't know how much time I have left. Go ahead and do it. And for, for goodness sake, give me something else to talk about than whether or not Anthony Richardson is going to be durable enough to be the quarterback of the future. Holy hell, I don't want to talk about that in October. Yeah, we'll be hitting that in January, in February, in March, in April, in May, in June, in July, into August, into September. You know how much time we have? Clear your schedule. If you're in it, win it. I don't think those are heavy expectations. Again, that's the team. That's the team that put themselves in that situation. And you guys want growth. It's like I talked about with the Pacers last year. Winning games is a much more enjoyable growing experience than losing the crap out of those games. Uh, Jeff is up next at 239-1070. Jeff, thank you for joining the show. How are you? 
JMV, I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. You know, I heard you just say something I kicked on the radio about Shane Steichen and mm-hmm. offensively. Um, other than this game this weekend, I just haven't seen it much, in my opinion. You haven't seen it much. Uh, okay. I, and, and the only reason I say that is I think I've talked to you multiple times about misdirections and, and things like that. And it seems like this game was so well called offensively. Um, I'm just wondering where it's been in some of the other games because I just haven't seen it in some of the other games. Um, I will say I will say this. I, yeah. I thought yesterday in terms of putting together an offensive game plan, because I, I said this, I don't know if you agree, Jeff, it looked like Cleveland, who had been a good defense, and you can say, well, they're not that good, who have they played, or whatever. They have been a really good defense so far, did not look like they were ready for often what was coming at them offensively. That's what told me that. Couldn't agree more. I thought the game uh, Sunday was called great. The one thing I will say, and this is an ex-referee, and and I know a lot of people are like, well, you can't blame it on the referees. No. The, the The first call was a good call. I don't think I don't think that it probably should have been called because that quarterback was getting blown up anyway. But the one that was thrown 30 feet over the end zone and out of the end zone, if you're going to have the rule about a non-catchable, then apply the rule. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to have the rule about uh, instant replay and go against instant replay, then why have it? Then don't have the non-catchable any longer. That that was as non-catchable as you could find in the NFL. No, no, you're absolutely right about that. There was an egregious hold on there by Daryl Baker Jr., but that was not a pass interference, Jeff. 100% right, uh, but it was a hold. What I look at is the play prior. Uh, the, uh, the contact was stupid. I mean, and I make this point. All you have to do is look at the guy in which was being played and the penalty flag was thrown. Daryl Baker Jr. playing Amari Cooper. Cooper had zero reaction. Cooper initiated it, and then Daryl Baker Jr. obviously crapped his pants and was trying to do anything, and Amari Cooper didn't think anything about it. Right. He didn't even know there was going to be a flag thrown. You know, most of these guys, if, if you get a thumbnail on them, these guys are whining and crying and, you know, doing the flag-throwing motion. You know, where is it? He had no idea that was a penalty. Why? Because right. it wasn't. Right. And the last thing I'll say, this may irritate you a little bit. Yep. And and I and I want to win too, okay? But I, I will tell you that they're at least entertaining. And I and I get it, that's not enough. I, I totally get that. But they've been entertaining other than probably the, the Jacksonville debacle down in Jacksonville. They've been entertaining. I don't think they're far off. I really don't. I said this last year. Um when you had a quarterback that couldn't throw the ball at all and you're, you're going to be awful anyway and the defense couldn't sustain that. But they're, they're a couple players away. Um, I, 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 who have been against, and I know you have been too, their receivers, I think their receivers have an opportunity to be pretty decent. But you got to find a pass rusher and you probably got to find a number one receiver. Is Downs going to be that? I don't know yet. I, they're not too far off. I really, I, I honest to God think that. Downs is good, Jeff. Thank you for the call, too. Downs is going to be really good. Downs is going to be, I'm not telling you something you haven't seen. Oh, newsflash, Downs is going to be really good. That's what JMV just said. You guys can see that. Now, I think my point is this. I, I'm all for entertainment, but this entertaining loss stuff 
it, you what you what you did is you let a bunch of nerds and dorks say that so much that it's infiltrated your mindset. And I'm trying to push it out. All these number crunching nerds. Well, you know, that's entertaining. Well, here's where you're going to be. This is how many. Well, these are the odds you're going to. Who the hell cares? If you want somebody in the draft, then position yourself to get somebody. I know easier said than done. Make some moves to get somebody. If you don't like who's in free agency, make some moves. Why do all these other teams get the opportunity to do it, but the Colts don't? Bullcrap. Man, I want to cuss so bad. I know I can. I'm sorry. 424 in the afternoon, I shouldn't be cussing. (laughs) Just sick and tired of it. I'm trying to get you out of that. I'm not, again, saying, you know, win, and if you don't win, everything's a disaster. All I'm saying is I am sick and tired of entertaining losses. If you're going to put yourself in a position, as clearly they did yesterday, to win a game, then stink and win it. And you know, if you don't, we're going to be critical. We're going to tell you, again, in all fairness, what went well and what did not. But join me. Join me in the stop of the entertaining losses reference. Let that group go play Dungeons and Dragons. We'll stay and watch football and watch a team evolve. You can grow. You can grow from being entertaining and winning, too. It's weird, huh? Quick one. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew looking over the defense. Four on the play clock. Takes a snap. RPO, fires it upfield, caught over the middle, Michael Pittman Jr., there he goes, he's at the 40, he's at the 30, slips out of a tackle, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Michael Pittman Jr. takes it 75 yards to the house, touchdown for the Colts, 37-33. Matt Taylor on the call right there, so Michael Pittman Jr. tells Nate Atkins of the star after the game that he wondered how much he was a part of the game plan, I'm paraphrasing here, because of his lack of targets, I think he had five in all, of course, including that touchdown catch and run, and while I could dismiss that as the heat of the moment after the game and the disappointment of losing an incredibly winnable game, I would suggest this, if you want more targets... Make yourself more readily available. And I'm not trying to come off being a jackwad and saying that. Not at all. Make yourself more available. Get yourself more available. I know that when the ball comes his direction, he's going to catch it. But make yourself more available. I can't imagine that they say, oh, you know what? We got to come up with this game plan. Here's a unique game plan. Screw number 11. (laughs) This is really smart. Yeah, this number 11, the elite. No, 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 no. Make yourself more available. And I know that that's easy. I just don't know how else to put it. I like him a great deal. He catches everything around him. 
but make yourself more available. Maybe it's one of those situations we have not heard him in this fashion before. Maybe it's one of those, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease type of thing. So is he going to get like five consecutive targets coming up on Sunday against the Saints to start the game? That would be my advice. And by the way, while I'm handing out advice, here's some advice too, because I've been there and done that with McKenzie and Baco, IU freshman. Arrested on a couple of misdemeanors. He would not leave the Taco Bell. Now, I thought the story suggested East 3rd Street, which would make the Taco Bell by the mall. The Taco Bell, I always knew, was the one, and I think it's actually moved, though. Now, this, yeah, it's the one, yeah, it's the one right there, I think, a little south of Kilroy Sports Bar. I'm assuming that's where it is, right? I don't know the details. I know Don Fisher told Jake a little bit earlier that there's some stuff that that hasn't been really, whatever. Here's sound advice from somebody that has been down that path. When the police ask you to move along, move along. Move along. Even if you're 18 and an IU basketball player, it's two in the morning. These guys have to jack with people, you know, just beyond college students, but, you know, Nimrod drug addicts passed out in the park on a park bench. It's idiots in general. Oh, by the way, forget about everybody coming up from Greene County and Owen County and Lawrence County, all the rednecks late at night they have to deal with. I don't know all the facts. All I can say is you sidestep any of this, if you just go ahead and move along. And here's how I know. <laughs> I remember once upon a time coming home from Lawrence County, and we had obviously 28A plates. That's Green County, and we were easy pickings. Get pulled over in spring, actually right before we get to the county line by Roscoe P. Coltrane in Lawrence County. And one of my friends gets mouthy. One of my friends is agitated. One of my friends agitates the popo. So what did Hot Sauce do? He loaded us all up in the car and took us to jail. So don't do it. I've been there and done that. Roscoe P. Coltrane did not want to mess with us. If they give you that option, take that option. Yeah, you tell the story, you know, complain after the fact, whatever. But if they give you that option, take that option. I wish the nitwit, my friend, by the way, who but he's a friend that always gets out of everything, right? Gets out of everything. From the time we grew up and we're still tight to this day, but he gets out of absolutely everything. Like, we, you go out, we have a party after a basketball game. Um, for some reason, the coach calls the house at about 1 in the morning, party's still raging, and one of our other friends answers the phone and goes, hey, yeah, yeah, we're all here, and starts naming names. Of course, we all have to run, but the guy that got us in trouble. <laughs> hey, they're all, hey, there's John over there. John's over there trying to see if he can get a little, right? oh, and failing miserably. <laughs> they give the option, take that option. Again, I don't know enough about it. And being in that situation, I, I know being that age and being a part of that and, you know, and jacking around. But if they give the option, take the option. 
Let's move on. I, I do know in Bloomington what they often have to deal with, and it is not enjoyable. But again, I don't know the background story other than what I'm telling you right now. Sound advice. I would give my son that advice. They give her the option, move along. My man, David Hayes. David Hayes just hoes me all the time. Come on, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> we had to go all the way back to Lawrence County. This is the best part about it, though. We go back to Lawrence County, seriously, the Lawrence County Jail, and I'm giving them my name, and my last name comes up with like two and a half pages of priors. And I go, wait a minute. This is the first time I've been here, and it was my dad. <laughs> All right. I said, what's my dad have a cot in the back here? Or what, does he sleep here all the time? Extended stay? They all got a big laugh out of that. Now, Fulton is at 239-1070. Hello, Fulton. How are you? Hey, JMV. How are you doing? Fulton, were you excited when I was telling you my jail story? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. Did you get the uh, email I sent you? I do. I have not opened it. I got it today, and I got your Facebook message, too. So I'm good to go. I'm golden. All right. It's coming up pretty soon. Fulton, I want to see you. I want to get everybody up there. I want to get everybody that listens to this show up there and bring Winshul or Spreadable Cheese for your performance. Seriously. Yeah, that will be good. I love that. All right, Fulton. I get that. I'll open it up, and uh, we'll check it out. But I appreciate you calling as much as you do, man, anytime. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good one. That's uh, Fulton. Our friend Fulton right there. What a good, good, good guy. Yeah, just yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go here. I'm going, hey, Hayes, come on, man. We had to miss a wedding the next one of our best friends got married the next day at Crane. Uh, of course, we couldn't make it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. My God, I had to hear my mom. Oh. <sighs> That's still, I'm scarred from that. What are you, just some kind of convict? You look David Hayes. Jonathan's up next. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, get back to the cult stuff. My apologies. I should never have even gone to the story, but I thought some sound advice was necessary. Jonathan, hello. Oh, it's okay. Uh, sounds like your mom is a Monty Python character. <laughs> what are you doing? No, oh, anyway. Go ahead, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, I assume they had his cornerback uh, one on Pittman, and it was hard for him to get open, but if he's going to drop a sure TD and make a settle for a field goal, they should make him kick it himself. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, go ahead. That was painful. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, the five-yard penalty, uh, it was worse. But have you ever noticed that the famous targets always get that call from the refs, no matter what? Um, so I did it with two arms, and they always flagged the defender for it, and it used to drive me crazy. I, I will say this. I thought it was more who was defending him. I thought I, I think Daryl Baker Jr. when he gets out there, whether it's the opposition throwing at him every time or you know, I know he hasn't been out there much recently, but it, it seems like when he gets out there he immediately gets a target on his back. Yeah, he does, and I mean he doesn't really deserve to be on an NFL roster after the Houston game. I just I I think that no matter how many guys we lose, it seems like uh Baker shouldn't be on the team and Ballard loves the way he's built and he's all about uh what do they call it, traits, metrics or whatever measurable yeah um ballard loves his build and i 
I wanted to leave it with this. Like, my main point is that Ursay tolerates whatever Ballard wants, and I think we're just going to continue to struggle when we shouldn't because of that. Well, um, and, and, and thank you, Jonathan, for the call. Uh, I will leave that that because I've been pat. You know where I, I stand on that. There's still a lot of prove it to me here, and we have no choice then to have it be proven or not to us. I have no choice. So, you know, whereas I was at the lead of that conversation at the end of this past year, it makes no sense to, to talk about it ad nauseum now. And there is still going to be a prove it to me, a prove it to you type of factor here. And again, so much is this going to ride on this quarterback. This quarterback coming back, being able to sustain. And those are things we just don't know right now. And everybody's going to say, well, you know, you're going to give this guy a pass. I have not, and you know this, given him a pass. But he's going to be here for at least three more years, and you're going to get the opportunity to judge him once again on this body of work. And we shall see. But the the Josh Downs thing, I think, is going to work out fantastically. Breaking news. (laughs) Breaking news from JMV. He thinks Josh Downs is going to be a really good player. Getting it right here. I can't believe that I actually agreed with Mike Greenberg. you believe that? He may be a great guy. I'm not sure. I don't know him. He's been on a couple of times. But I actually agreed with Mike Greenberg yesterday. Your calls and that particular agreement. Next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a I want you to be nice. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's second down and four. Taylor stays in the game as the back left of Minshew goes out of the gun. Ball in the left hash. Shotgun snap. They give it to Taylor. Right side angling into the end zone. Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! For the first time in 2023, it's Jonathan Taylor finding the end zone. It's now 30-27 to 27 after the touchdown by the Colts. Matt Taylor right there on the call. If I were, and I am, not fully, but somewhat a betting individual, I would bet that Jonathan Taylor is going to have one kick-ass game Sunday against the Saints. Did it kind of seem like yesterday that he was getting back to the neighborhood in which he, we, they expect and that Shane Steichen is getting used to and dropping him into different situations now, feeling more comfortable, being more often, especially in that second half. Show of hands. They lost and that stunk, 39-38, and you lose on a final, final series drive by a guy that couldn't win the football toss at the Johnson County Fair. That sucks. Many opportunities to win it, and they didn't. Got it taken away from them on an illegal contact, ridiculous call, which was a thousand times worse than the P.I., 
thousand times worse. Still, they lost. But when you look at it with Jonathan Taylor, I think that now, now they're going to uh, shift into a higher gear. That's that's my thought moving forward. All right, Andrew's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Andrew. Good afternoon, J&B. How are you? Andrew, I'm fantastic. I'm just on my way to coach some freshman church league basketball down on the Grove, and I thought, uh, you know, you might be a good guy to get some advice from. Okay, well, yeah, you want any more jail advice? Don't go. No, no, no jail advice. Okay. I like to keep out of jail if possible. Good idea. But I also want to give you, kind of reinforce a couple of things that some of your previous callers said, and then sure. kind of push back on one idea. That is that I think the team is a microcosm of the front office and, and ownership, and I, I think we're going to be in that area for a long time to come. And I, I'm just not, while I totally agree with you that we need to win, that, that winning is the best way to learn how to win, totally in agreement with you there. I, I think we're a lot of people are being unrealistic about where this team is and where it will be in the next two, three, four years. Yeah. My my point of it is if they're going to show us that clearly they can be competitive with this schedule and these games, why not win it? And I'm just going to keep this business as usual. The crap that they don't do right, we're going to be critical. The stuff they do do right, we're going to prop up. So I I want this to be, again, business as usual. But if they're going to be close, win this thing. I I mean, I would learn much more, see them learn much more about winning, being successful, and moving on than losing and having to move on and tell everybody how you learned a lot, yet you're now under 500. That's just me. Totally, totally agree with you. Just just saying, I don't know if we have the personnel. No, yeah, and you may you may not, but uh, against for a period of time. I will tell you this, Andrew, and have a great day coaching the kids too. I, that schedule gives you a really good opportunity to be competitive, even with that roster. The story of Connor Stallions bought tickets for more than thirty games at eleven Big Ten schools over the past three years. Michigan. Oh, the state of Michigan's a blast, isn't it? I'm going to tell you what, if it wasn't legalized weed, you could just go ahead and give Michigan to Canada. There you go, Canada, as a gift to you. Hilarious. Quick one, back with you next. The Rock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hide with JMV. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. The ball is on the near hash. Watson goes out of the gun here. Third and eight. Changing the play at the line of scrimmage. Blake Lock is down at two. Watson clapping for the ball. Just gets it off. Noah Flag is out. Watson rolls out to the right side. Throws downfield. And it's picked off by the Colts as they go tumbling out of bounds with Julian Blackman for the time being. It's an interception for the Colts. Hey, feel good in the fact that your team doesn't have Deshaun Watson. Woo! I'm going to tell you, between he and P.J. Walker, I don't know which one of them sucked worse yesterday. 
And what's so bad about it is the Colts lost 39-38 to one, if not both in this case, of those sucky quarterbacks. That's too bad. We'll get to that and a lot more coming up. 5.07, that is game number six with Philly up three games to two in the NLCS over Arizona. First pitch, 5.07, about seven minutes away. Decisive game seven, Rangers and Astros tonight. A little bit after eight down in Houston Back to your calls in a second, so sit tight if you're there. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from ESPN.com. Stephen Holder joins us. That may be what stands out most of all to me is losing to both of those quarterbacks, the way both played, and then losing in a final drive with P.J. Walker. Incredibly bumped. I don't care if we were pleasantly surprised in a lot of ways yesterday, maybe even disappointed in others as well, or you didn't think they were going to be that close, or you thought it was going to be a different defensive style of game. Unfortunately, losing to P.J. Walker on that final drive is something that is going to be right here for a long time with me. It's brutal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look, I mean, the the conversation has, has definitely centered on on the 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 penalties, right? I and I get it. I I don't. I understand the disagreement. I get all that. I I do think the overarching point is fair, though. I mean, you can't let that happen. And and frankly, the the long completion, which I think was uh I don't know, I feel like it was a thirty yard completion earlier in that drive. I mean, that, that also can't happen. And that is not a matter of you know, officiating, that's just, you know, that's just man against man, get beat there. Uh, and and there was an attempt to make a play on that ball, but it just, it was not successful. And that was probably the biggest play of that drive. I mean, obviously the the penalties were, were crucial and pivotal and, and maybe the results different without them, but uh, there were things that preceded that, that, that enabled the Browns to be in that position to begin with. Uh, it was a weird game, though, overall, I would say, because, you know, I, I went in the locker room and I walked around and I'm like, you know, running into different players along the way. And and I told them, I told many of them, I said, man, you know, it's like I'm coming over to ask a guy like, hey, how'd this happen? And then I think about it, like I take uh, Julian Blackman. I walked over to him. I was like, man, this guy had a great game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like then Kenny Moore is next to him. Like, Kenny Moore had a great game. And I look around and it's like, you know, most of these guys made plays today. I, I've just felt that looking around the locker room. And it was kind of one of those games where there weren't like culprits all over the place. I mean, they all did something to contribute to that. But the other team just made a couple more plays in the end. I don't know. It's a, it was a tough one. Tough one to swallow and a tough one to explain in some respects. No, and you're right, too. I mean, if you're going to look in, if you're looking to play some blame or to be critical, I mean, there are various aspects, and one of which was sitting at home watching in Grover Stewart because they, they took advantage oftentimes of that missing piece on that defense. And I think we saw it real early, right out of the gate. You know, yep, the first drive. Yep. Run. Now, we don't see that against the Colts. You know, that does not happen. And and we knew coming in, for for all the talk about Deshaun Watson coming back into the lineup from his injury, and obviously that was short-lived, but for all the talk about Deshaun Watson, that's still a team that wants to run the football. You know, that's, that's what they want to be their bread and butter, and it has been even with uh, Chubb out of the lineup after that season-ending injury. So I, I do think not being able to – 
to, to get some stops on the, in the running game when you really needed it, I did, that did hurt them. There's no doubt about that. And particularly at the, at the very end there, would have been real nice to have Grover Stewart on that fourth and one at the goal line, wouldn't it? Yeah, I thought they did a hell of a job anyway um, there, they they, considering they, they shouldn't have been that close in the first place. I, I, I do want to get to the officiating. Sure. Um, I, to me, I know a lot of people disagreed on the last one, and to me, it wasn't a, a pass interference. It was a hold. Uh, it was an egregious hold by Daryl Baker Jr., I thought the first one, I thought the illegal contact was the BS, and, and that was the game coster in that moment. I, I complete BS. And here, Stephen, is, I think, something that would back me up in this era in which we watch the NFL, and 98% of these wide receivers call for a flag on every play. Yeah. You look at Amari Cooper, he had zero reaction. He thought they lost the game. He didn't think there was a, a penalty flag to be thrown there. And really, he initiated it. Daryl Baker Jr., which he shouldn't have, I guess, now in hindsight, came back. But that's the play, ultimately, in that moment, that cost him the game. That was, to me, an awful call. I would say this. I, I understand where a flag might be thrown in both of those situations. When, when I say I understand, I'm not justifying it. What I'm saying is... I don't think there there was zero basis for for either flag. I I I think in at real at real speed, in real time, I can understand why a flag was thrown. Now that does not mean I would throw that flag. It does not mean that you should throw a flag in that situation. You know what I'm saying? That's different than saying it, it was a good call. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. I get it on some level why a flag was thrown. I mean, when you slow down the illegal contact, I, I see it the way you see it, right? When you slow it down. However, I think at full speed, that motion that Baker uh, utilizes, it, where it, do, it looks like he's grabbing him around the hips. Now, did he impede him? Now, that's a fair question. I don't know that he did. But I don't know that you get that same benefit when you're looking at it at full speed in real time. It's really hard. But I, I think that the big issue there is, or I guess the bigger surprise is that in that situation that you throw those flags. Because I think that is, that, that's typically where we see officials not want to decide the game. And in this respect, they did throw the flag. Whether, the, whether it was, whether you see it as borderline or not, you know, you know what the impact of that flag is in that situation. So I, I think that's one of those situations where I, I often think you see them swallow the whistle, and they did not in that case. So that's a little surprising. I think it, the one in the end zone, I, you know, look, if we want to talk about the ball being catchable or not catchable, there's a couple things to, to, to talk about there. Number one, I mean, I went and I looked at the rule book today, and part of the problem, and I don't know how you would even change this, but part of the problem is the ball being catchable or not catchable is strictly up to the interpretation of the, of the official. You know, there's no definition of that. And I don't know how you define it anyway. I don't know how you would define it. I think it is a completely subjective thing. And some things in the officiating just will be subjective. They will always be subjective. I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, I, I don't think anybody was catching that ball, but, but to rule it un- uncatchable is a... I think they usually use a pretty high bar for ruling a, a, 
pass uncatchable. I'm not saying it's catchable. I'm just saying they don't typically apply that unless it's clearly and obviously uncatchable in real time. And, and for them, it's, I get it. It can be tough. I don't know. I don't like the call. I don't like the call. And I wouldn't have thrown that flag. But I also understand why it was called. But I, I'm just saying, I, I, I get it. You talked about the contact. I saw it, too. Again, I wouldn't throw the flag in that situation. That's why I have the issue is more so okay, let them play a little bit in that situation and and don't decide the game. Here's the one thing, and Stephen Holder joins us, that you readily, if ever, see. And I, I revert back to the Giants and Bills earlier this season. Um, the back-to-back flags – down the stretch in that situation on the same guy. Normally, if you get flagged like Daryl Baker Jr. did on the illegal contact, you can basically get somebody in a headlock and the flag doesn't come right after right. that. I mean, the immediate play. That's maybe what shocked me more than anything else. It's And that's why I said earlier, I don't know this to be true, obviously. He doesn't play very much. He hasn't played in a while. But it seems like certainly when he enters the game that he's immediate a target um and it looked like yesterday he was almost the target of of the officials and again this is just me watching i rarely if ever see that but i was shocked that a second flag flew the play after on the same guy where oftentimes as we saw in that bills giants game earlier this year you can manhandle somebody in the end zone and they won't throw that flag immediately after the play in which they threw one yeah, and that goes back to what I was saying, you know, in time and place. You know, I think in the second quarter, maybe they're they're more willing generally to throw a flag in that situation. In the fourth quarter, and literally the final minute of the game, I just think they're they're less inclined to throw those flags. Generally speaking, that was not the case here. And now, <laughs> Daryl Baker definitely got targeted by the Browns. Okay, that is true. <laughs> and and look, this is not rocket science. No. Uh, when the starting corner goes down, all right, any good coach worth his salt is, is in the quarterback's headset. All right, we got a backup over there on the right side. I mean, right? That's the first thing you should do. It's the first thing you should tell your quarterback is go get him. You know? I mean, he's, he's backup for a reason. <laughs> he's on the bench. And now he's got to play in the most critical part of the game. So that's just a reality. I mean, you know, here we go. I'm not to change the subject. He was living a nightmare, by the way. He was living a a night, absolute nightmare. Oh, and for sure. I mean, his season has been a nightmare. I mean, I, I, I do feel for him. I mean, he starts off the season in the starting lineup. He immediately gets benched after one week. Then he's called upon in the most, in the most difficult circumstance to go out there in a tight game, an emotional game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's, it is a tough assignment, man. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's tough. I feel for the kid, but, but that's the job, man. Playing corner sucks. Okay. It sucks. And it sometimes under those circumstances, it sucks even more. And so I don't know, man, I I don't have anything. I don't have any consolation for him. Yeah, I just say just somebody give him a hug. It's going to be a long week for him. I thought Shane Steichen, Stephen, had a great offensive game plan and a great offensive game call. I thought that what he brought offensively most of the time yesterday completely took Jim Swartz 
And that Browns defense that had been so good so far this season completely took them by surprise. I think you saw that often out there yesterday. Now, a lot of people want to blame the game management. And there's no doubt before the half, uh, that was problematic, to say the least. However, (laughs) I I don't know if I view that as much as game management as I do that Shane Steichen – he is a young coach in the moment that believes he's the smartest guy out there doing what he is doing and is outsmarting and trying to outfox. That, much like game management, I think something that is learned in a successful capacity for a young coach like that. I saw more of that than I did just a, a lack a lack of game management. He, he seriously thought he could get over on that situation and didn't. And I just think that that is – he's trying to outthink the room in those situations. And thus, that's what we saw as we entered the half. That's at least what I saw. Well, okay, that's fair. I, I, see, I see it a little differently. I, I also took issue with it, but for maybe for a little bit different reason. I see it in this regard. And one thing, if you talk to players in that locker room, the one thing they always tell you about Shane Steichen – is that, I mean, I don't know anything about Shane Steichen, the guy, right? He's all ball is what everybody says. Like, I don't know if he has any personality outside of football, but I do know what they will tell you is that he wants to compete and he wants to go out there and gut the other team, you know, just in a, in a competitive way. And so that drives him and that's great. I think though, I wonder at least, if maybe that competitive side of him maybe got the best of him in those two situations, you don't have to try a 60 yard field goal uh, at the end of a half when it wasn't actually the end of the half, to be honest, that that's the problem. You don't have to try a 60 yard field goal there in a tight game where, I mean, as, as I tweeted, look, 60 yard field goals are rare for a reason. <laughs> okay. People don't make 60-yard field goals very often. I am not saying Matt Gay can't make one. Of course he can, but you didn't need that there because the risk versus reward, I just thought it was, I don't know, I just thought it was unnecessary. You're giving them a short field if you miss, and it was worse than a miss. They get the block. They get great field position. They score there. And then when you're backed up in the final moments of the half with Gardner Minshew, who has shown that he cannot protect the football, why? Why? I mean, you know, just why ask him to have a deep drop in that situation? He was already in that situation previously in the season, and he screwed that up. Yep. And they're not knocking Gardner. I mean, Gardner has has done a lot of heavy lifting this season. His credit. For all the criticisms, the guy has, has bailed him out at times this year. So I'm giving him his due. However, you also have to understand who he is and what you're asking him to do in a particular situation. It's just situational football for me. I thought it was bad situational football and, and, and not recognizing what your personnel was. Backup right tackle, backup quarterback, Miles Garrett, superhuman. <laughs> well, I, I, I would ag- agree with that, too. I think the thing that stands out is, as you mentioned, understanding your personnel, because we have seen Gardner Menchu go back to the Baltimore game. Kyle Hamilton was in his line of sight every time and still got there. So his his pocket awareness, his collapsing yeah. pocket awareness is not, not great. And then I don't know what, what Freeland and, and Ogletree were actually doing there with, with Miles Garrett. I think they were both supposed to block, and I think Freeland got a hand on him, and that was about it. So yeah, knowing that your personnel a, that in that situation a, is, is something he did not do yesterday. 
that was definitely a who's on first situation <laughs> over there uh, in that attempted block of, of Miles Garrett. I mean, I was like, I got it. I got it. You got it. Right. And so I don't know what that was, but, but see, you have to sometimes in a situation like that, maybe this is not the way coaches think, but it's the way I think in a situation like that, where, where your tail is on the line and you're, you're having to drop back in the end zone, you got to think worst case scenario, it's close game, right? You're playing fine. You know, just let, let this, you know, get to the second half. They get the ball, by the way, coming out in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm thinking all of those things in my head. And so what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is you get sacked in the end zone and you fumble and they score a touchdown. I mean, <laughs> and what is the best case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Are you driving 90 yards? Is that what you're telling me? That's, you know what I mean? Like, yep. I just don't understand it. I, I don't know. I'm not saying – I don't want to, like – overemphasize, you know, what happened there. But, I mean, it was a 10-point swing in a one-point game. I don't think we can overstate how big of a deal that was. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. Was um, that illegal – I'm assuming the illegal contact, that play that that I obviously dispute there, was was that illegal contact? Did that happen before, you know, the ball was um, loose, I guess, here? I assume it did, uh, I, right? Did anybody ever ask any questions? I, I did not see them both together, and nobody yeah. ever mentioned it. So I was just kind of curious. I, I don't know if I can answer that question for sure. I mean, we'd almost need, like, side-by-side video yeah. to, to determine it. Can they not but do I, that? But I also – well, I was going to say one, one last thing. What I was going to say is I, I don't think – I don't know that it, it necessarily – um, well, let me rephrase that. I was going to say it didn't matter, but I don't think that's true. I think I guess it does technically matter. It had to happen but, first, or they, they – I mean, yeah. you would review it right anyway. But I don't know if you can review that because it, it right. gets into reviewing penalties. Well, you would, and, re- you would review the turnover. For sure. But yeah. that's more for, for possession right. and things right. like that. You know what I mean? Right. Once you've called that penalty, the penalty is the penalty. You know, I mean, there there are some situations where – where they can't pick the flag up on replay, but it's got to be something like, you know, it's got to be a really specific thing that involves possession and things like that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they apply, how they how they work the replay into that situation. I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know what they are allowed to review when it comes to something like that. That's a very super, super yeah. technical situation. And I don't know. It's a very good question. I just don't know. I, I just, there's, I would love to see this. Sometimes yeah. you get, into these realms where it's just not an easy answer, and it's like it's not clear cut in the rule book either. Yeah, and I was I just brought it up because I would love to see a side by side and to see yeah. when when each would take place. Because I don't know if it was brought up, but I don't know. I thought about it, yeah. and it doesn't matter now. But uh, I was just kind of curious because I know that I know Steichen said earlier today that they were going to make a case through the the official channels, and I, I'm for one. I hate what the NBA does in their you know, overwhelming mm-hmm. path to transparency. You know, they say the next day, "Hey, we screwed up on this and cost you the game." I, I don't really want to have to see that, but I it would be curious. No, it doesn't. I, I would, I would want to see. And, and the other aspect about this is you, you think it would be more clear-cut, Stephen, in terms of there is so much stinking money riding on this now, and and we know yeah. it, and it seems like that everything would be a little bit 
clear. And, you know, people make the argument that the officials aren't full-time and, you know, they should be. There is a lot of money riding on this, and, and people probably more than me would like to know what really went down as opposed to maybe going through blind and, and it being a mystery for the rest of your life. You know, I, I would say I I kind of sort of sympathize with the NFL on some on some level in this regard. You talked about the NBA and the transparency. If you do that, you're going to have tons of blowback. If you do what the NFL does, you're going to have tons of blowback where there there's seemingly a lack of transparency. There's really no good outcome for you. <laughs> I mean, you're still having to have human beings make judgment calls against the you know on the best athletes in the world that is super imperfect like unbelievably imperfect you know and and i don't know what the solution to that is uh certainly we have replay and we should use replay to the fullest extent however i'm not really in favor of reviewing penalties i'm just not i I think i just think it, it undermines the officials a little too much and and i just think it it makes the game and first of all if you do that I mean, what penalty are you challenging? You know, because frankly, are they going to, you know, what, what's the, what's the bar going to be to overturn it even, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, it's going to be tough because a lot of these penalties are judgment calls anyway. So now are you going to have clear and visual evidence that something didn't happen? How often are you going to get that? You know what I'm saying? You may in some cases, but I think penalties are a judgment call, so now you're you're going to litigate them by replay. I think that gets really difficult, and and when to challenge that and not challenge it, I don't know. That's really tough. I mean, I can say, okay, that ball touched the ground or it didn't touch the ground. Generally speaking, you know, if on a catch rule or something like that, those things can be arbit can be can be arbitrary, not arbitrary. Those things are not arbitrary, you know, generally speaking. Although the truth is, we don't know what a catch is. But you understand my, my Yeah, no, no, I get what you're talking about. And <laughs> yeah. before I, I dragged you in to the swamp <laughs> where I live, um, <laughs> I, I, I should have probably suggested that really if you could just stop a guy that wouldn't win the football toss at the county fair on that final drive <laughs> a couple of times, that, that yeah. probably would have worked as well. And, and this has been my point, and maybe it's BS because a lot of them are, but I wanted to see – Every single time, Gus Bradley bring a blitz. And I know what that mm-hmm. does is it opens everybody else in the secondary up. But you know what? They were opened up anyway. Didn't matter. It was exactly like the Rams game where we want to protect ourselves from getting beat down the field. But you got your ass whipped down the field anyway, even when you didn't bring it, even when you played it safe. And I know maybe you didn't feel because it was P.J. Walker you needed to do that. But, Stephen, every single time they brought the blitz, they had seemingly a positive result. I thought it was every single time in that final drive. I don't disagree with you. And and here's the here's the thing that, that maybe makes it even a little more worse is that when they have brought pressure this year, at least it feels like, and I have to run the numbers on this, but I, my sense is that they have had some success. Yeah. It gets there. You know? Yeah. And, and Kenny Moore had a sack yesterday, I think a sack and a half, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, that's a great example. You know, when Kenny Moore blitzes, Kenny Moore makes a play and, I know that there were lots of people who hated Matt Eberflus's scheme too, but the one thing 
that he did do eventually was evolve with the pressure and he didn't bring enough pressure either. Okay. But, but he, when he did bring pressure, he allowed guys like Kenny Moore and sometimes the safeties to bring that pressure. And, and it, it was very successful at times. I, I think he and, and Gus Bradley are probably in the same boat in terms of frequency. They're both on the very, very uh, low end of the, of the spectrum when it comes to the frequency of, of five man rushes or more, but I, I think they have the guys to do it. And the other thing that I think it brings to mind is the fact that the, the Colts need, they need somebody who can win one-on-one consistently. I mean, you're not going to find a Miles Garrett growing on a tree. I get that. But I'm just saying, look at the impact that these types of guys have on these games. I don't know how you go get a guy like that. I'm just saying that's what the Colts have been missing, frankly, since, <laughs> I mean, Who's the last guy they had that had that kind of impact on the game? I mean, it's Robert Mathis, maybe, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's just been too long. And and I think that has held this team back for quite some time. You know, the guy who can just, in a, in a moment when you need a defensive guy to just do something, to, 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 an elite player to do an elite thing, they need that. Sometimes you just got to have that. And, and they haven't had that edge rusher who you can consistently – in a, in a moment of need, you can count on him to get home. And, and that's, that can kill you, man. And it has killed the Colts at times. Stephen Holder's with us. One final thing before I let you go, and I'm sure you love the fact I'm taking you down the old penalty flag throwing path here. My apologies. But I did want to end with this. On that field goal block by Miles Garrett, had when he jumped, um, either in this case Nelson or Ryman, you know, raised up, and they're blocking and been been touched or he made contact with them, would that have brought a flag? Good question. Um, I, I, if I understand correctly, you, you can do it as long as you don't use the offensive player for leverage. I think that is what it boils down to. Um, jumping over a guy in and of itself, I, I don't believe it's a penalty. I, I think – if no, that, yeah, jumping we'll over it. is not. I just didn't know yeah. if you can make contact where they yeah. would deem that using, you know, that particular player to to propel. Right, right. I mean, he cleared it. I mean, he it did. was he cleared him completely, so I, it never yeah. came into play. I don't, I don't think Nelson that. or Ryman got out of the stance, the 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 bit over stance by the time he was over. I really think they just kind of you know treated it like a routine play, and I'm not saying that most guys wouldn't, you know. Um, because you're not expecting a guy to even attempt something like that. So, I don't know. I guess it's on tape now, so teams will be looking for it. But <laughs> unfortunately for the Colts, uh, they they had to be the uh, the culprit or the, uh, the the victim there. I don't know, man. That's just yeah. – Miles Garrett is not human. I don't know what to tell you. Hey, well, well, and also on tape is now watching Gardner Minshew uh, run off of an RPO situation, too. Well, zone read hey, run option right there. I loved that, by the way. I, I did, too. I, I didn't think Cleveland was ready for it at all. I didn't think defensively – they had even thought about that as a consideration. They did it a couple times. Well, he scored on two runs. Now, one was – I go back and look at it. Was one a draw or was it more RPO? I can't remember. But but definitely, I mean, that – listen, I will say this. Gardner Minshew carries out the fakes all the time on these RPO plays. And I'm like, dude, you're never running the ball. This is stupid. Why are you – I admire it to some degree. But watch him. Like, he, I've said this before on, on this station. Like, he always carries out these fakes – and I, I always laugh because, you know, the, 
the camera's following the ball, but, I, you know, when you're at the game, you can kind of see everything. And I, I always laugh at it. I'm like, look at this guy running, you know, carrying out the boot like, like somebody's actually going to believe he's going to keep the ball ever. And then they did it. And I was like, oh, well, silly me. <laughs> so I loved it. I loved it. I also think in closing here that Jonathan Taylor is ripe along with his head coach calling the plays to have a tremendous game on Sunday. I think he's ripe. Yeah. Listen, I thought at the end of that game, Shane was a little too balanced with the running backs. I would have fed Jonathan Taylor because they were going back and forth throughout the game. In fact, I think they had the exact same number of touches, Zach Moss and, and Jonathan Taylor. I thought toward the end there, when they went back to Moss, look, we have all seen when like Jonathan Taylor is starting to get primed and ready to go and, and ready to hit a big one. And I thought he was there. I thought he was on the verge. And then they went back to Moss and I was like, ah, I love Zach Moss, but man, I don't know. I thought that was a missed opportunity. Um, I, I think he's right. Vintage. Yeah, I saw some vintage Jonathan Taylor there. It's it's coming. I think it's coming. Well, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Again, I, I dragged you down the path of losing the okay. game by officials. So, good job out of me. Hey, this, there was a lot there, man. That, <laughs> that, that was, I tell you, man, that game, I went down to the press conference. Sorry to hold you up, but I went down That's to the good. press conference, and I was like, I don't even know what the first question is. There were so many plays, I can't even remember them. So, it was a weird game, man. A lot happened. Appreciate you, man. We'll see you again on Sunday. Okay, talk soon. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you. A little bit over here. We'll come back. A little bit more of a recap on what we saw yesterday. Colts roundtable, 6 o'clock, ALCS, decisive game 7 with the Rangers and the Astros around 7.30 here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. First and goal at the four-yard line for the Colts. Again, it's Minshew left side, and he makes one man miss. Dives up field across the goal line. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Gardner Minshew, have a day. Two rushing touchdowns in the first half for the quarterback. Colts lead 20-17. to 17. Matt Taylor right there. How about Minshew running a little bit now? He needs to stop turning it over a little bit, but running a little bit right there was a surprise to a lot of people. By the way, here, too, we've got Philadelphia up three games to two NLCS, game number six going on. Top of the second inning, I believe that was Pham and Goreal going back-to-back with solo shots to nothing Arizona over Philadelphia. Again, the top half of the second inning where the Diamondbacks with Pham and Goreal have gone back-to-back solo shots which is nice if you're a fan of the Arizona Diamondbacks or maybe even more so a fan of getting to a decisive game number seven like tonight in the American League I have absolutely loved the Rangers and the Astros anybody else loved it how about last night too Garcia Garcia obviously was the one that uh, got hit in Texas, and Abreu is going to serve a, a couple of games suspension. 
<laughs> Last night, I think he struck out, was it three or four straight times? I think three straight times and three straight plate appearances. And then the next time he got up, they hit a grand slam. The uh, consummate all or nothing. That's very Rob Deere of him. Very Dave Kingman. Strike out three times, but the fourth time, you're going to hit a grand slam. Uh, game seven tonight in the ALCS is in Houston. Ike is at 239-1070. Hello, Ike. How you doing, team? JMB. Ike, I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Hey, I'm with you, man. That was a highway robbery yesterday with a squirt gun. I thought that, that the illegal contact, which really cost them the game, in that moment on that play was ridiculous. I did. Yeah, it was totally ridiculous. But guess what? I'd rather have them take one away from us with Vegas buzzing the referees there right now and do it when the playoffs start. And this team is definitely going to be a playoff team from what I'm seeing. Oh, this Colts team is? Yeah, I think we're going to make it. Yeah, we got a, that was a big one yesterday to lose to a, a, a like record expectation type of team. And certainly the week before in Jacksonville was another big one to lose. I, I am okay with just trying to hang in there and win these games, which are winnable and you can compete with on your, your schedule. I certainly wouldn't sit here right now, Ike, and believe that they're going to do that whatsoever. But my expectation is if you're going to be in there that long and give your chance to win, win it. And don't screw yourself in a lot of ways. So that's me. We got Taylor back and we got Taylor and Zach and our receivers are starting to look good. And Minshew is doing the Minshew thing and starting to run with it. I think we got enough to do it. Ike, you call anytime. Ike's fired up. Uh, Chris asked this. This is what I asked Stephen Holder about. Did the uh, legal contact happen before the fumble? I'd have to see a side-by-side. Somebody actually sent me a picture. I still can't tell. I still cannot tell. And then I was also sent this. We were asking about, you know, Miles Garrett jumping over the combination right there. Right between, he went right between Ryman. I believe it was Ryman and Nelson on that field goal set up there and people are saying that that Nelson and Ryman were kind of held down by a couple of the linemen for the Browns I'd have to go back and I don't it doesn't matter right now they lost and nothing's going to change that I was just curious am I allowed to be curious without being a whiner curiously whining Uh, Todd's next hello Todd hey John how are you Great, Todd. Thanks for asking. Hey, um, uh, I'll talk about the last two flags, but before that, um, let's um, let's everybody keep in mind today and moving forward. Daryl Baker Jr. was in the game, he and was. he was. <laughs> and um, there's a combination of uh, gambling and uh, uh, Achilles and uh, thigh injury yesterday with Brents. He wouldn't have been on the field typically um, is the truth. So, I mean, that's – and I don't know that he's he's going to probably be playing going forward unless we have something else in our bag of tricks that I don't know about. Oh, you're, you're looking – if you're asking, are we looking at what we're looking at right now, the secondary, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that's yeah, what we're looking at. So, yeah. Is there an injury report on Brent's? Is that, I mean, I know that – I haven't uh, heard – I have not heard anything yet. I don't know if – look that up and see if, if Shane Stike had said anything about Juju Brent's today. I have not read that. It didn't look good whatsoever. But, yeah, pretty much – I'm assuming what we're looking at right now is what we're going to be looking at here moving forward. So, 
regardless of the last two calls, he wouldn't have been on the field typically, is the truth. So um, I will say this, um, and this is, you know, it's incidental, whatever. I would, I would say this. I don't think Cleveland, first of all, in the first one, Cooper was walking off the field. He thought the game was over. He wasn't. He didn't think there was a penalty, and then it, it came up. And the second one, he does like all wide receivers does, and flails and exaggerates and um, tried to draw a call. Everybody does it. No, I, well, well, listen though. On on the illegal contact, he had no reaction whatsoever. He thought they lost. Right. And that's that's that. I mean, yeah. no, normally yeah. that's the case, but that's what again tells me that it was business as usual. He didn't even think about it. I think the only person on that field that was thinking about it was the guy that threw the flag. So Cleveland that was not, that, Cleveland was that was moment not when they point. lost that game, and that to me was of the two calls the obvious worst. Right, you correct. Cleveland would not have complained. I'm not saying the dog pound or whoever, but <laughs> Cleveland as a team would not have complained um, if that call would have. Well, been Baker right. Jr. held the hell out of uh, Donovan Peoples or whatever in the end zone. I mean, that wasn't a. And thank you, Todd, for the call. That was not a pass interference, but it was a hold. But it should not have should not have been there considering it was just a ridiculous illegal contact call. When Schuler's spreadable cheeses is not ridiculous. It is the absolute best. The best spreadability you're looking for, your partying, your gathering, your reunion, your tailgate. When Schuler's spreadable cheese is original sharp cheddar, bacon and cheddar, pepper, jack. Oh, it's so good on a cracker. You can find it Kroger locations, Smire locations here in central Indiana. And in fact, if you do find it, tell me, because I have struggled to find it at my Kroger location. Let's go, Kroger. Kroger on Smoky Row. Come on now. Winshuler Spreadable Cheese, official sponsor. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live and the ride with JMV. Jared's next. Hello, Jared. Hey, John. How you doing? Jared, fantastic. Hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I was listening to uh, your segment with Holder about the PI and yep. the flag and everything. Um, I mean, I'm just going out on a limb here. Multi-billion-dollar company run at the NFL. I mean, why can't they have you know some something set up where just like the last two minutes of the game, or the last two minutes of the second quarter, they have the replay. They have the replay center already. You know, that all the refs have the earpieces to communicate. Why can't somebody just drop in while the, the refs are all huddled together and be like, hey, pick it up? You know, do it last two minutes. Don't want to do it the whole game and drag the game on forever. But in, you know, critical situations like that, if they had somebody watching when Walker fumbled and when the, the flag took place, so the penalty allegedly took place, you know, while they're all huddled together – I mean, somebody in the replay center could be watching it and being just drop in and say, hey, pick it up. That way, that doesn't have to be challenged. You know, they, the fans don't even know that, you know, somebody else made the decision. They can just know that the refs on the field said pick it up so they don't get, you know, embarrassed by it. I just don't see, you know, why that can't happen. I want to ask you this. Were you at the game or watching at home? I was watching at home. What did Sterator say about it? Um... 
Honestly, I don't Bo- remember. Not even both of them. Not not just one, but but both. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he was kind of. Uh, I know. I think on one of them, he was gonna. I think on the uncatchable one, he was gonna say uncatchable, or he would have ruled that on the on the p or on the holding one. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm just. I'm I'm curious about what he had to say. I, I clearly. If for nothing else, even if they didn't do it in the fashion, and thank you, Jared, for the first-time caller right there, in which Jared would suggest they do, at the very least, can you like get together and say, hey, this is what I saw, this is what I saw, this is what he saw. Especially, I mean, let's face it. I know that the guy on the spot for that P.I. is concentrating on the action right there with the two players, but... Can somebody else out there maybe look at where the ball is is landing? Yeah, and again, I know it's not hardcore, uncatchable, but I mean, if it lands, if it bounces once and then a fan catches it, then it's pretty blankety blank, uncatchable. All right. Could they not just get some help from the people that are actually out there? I'd ask that. All right, Ryan and Bill to close out on the other side, too, and get you set for Colts Roundtable top of the hour. And a busy schedule Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday coming up. I'll explain next. The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Pete Thamel of ESPN has a story. Michigan staffer Connor Stallions bought tickets for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the past three years. Also, video evidence of sideline taping is expected to be sent to the NCAA this week. Caught by stadium surveillance this year. (laughs) What a bunch of jackasses. That's hilarious. He uh, bought the tickets in his own name. (laughs) Yeah, really bright outfit right there. Bought the tickets, evidently, in his own name. Outstanding. I'm sure you'll follow that one. JMV. Only way that the ball was catchable would be if Miles Garrett was the one going for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. But uh, let me tell you this: um, there was a, an egregious hold, and Daryl Baker Jr. was doing the holding. It was a hold. It was a hold a lot of way in the end zone. But the game should have been over then because that uh, that uh, the illegal contact was, or the defensive contact was ridiculous. Uh, it was not as it was called, and Amari Cooper knew it too. The guy that it was called against knew it. Bill's up next to 239-1070. Go ahead, Bill. 
Hey, JMV, Harris up in Anderson on Wednesday. What about the rest of the week? Wednesday, Harris Hoosier Park in Anderson. Thursday, Kipps Pub on the north side. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. And Friday, a shout-out to Danny Hayes and the gang. We're going back to the back nine for a Bud Light Blue Friday and Saints tickets. Right on. Anybody, hey, and by any, the way, Saturday, who- Saturday, me and Jake Query doing a show i want to say either at 10 or 11 i can't remember at uh, the horseshoe down in shelbyville jake and i together down there so come down and we'll hang out that's on saturday morning nice man look i look forward to doing that and uh uh also i just wanted to say is this the first time there's ever been a baby that has been delivered during a football game at the stadium i would i would hesitate to suggest that's the first time ever it may be a first time around here. And that I believe that was uh, within the uh, a family member or friend of uh, David Bell who was here with the yeah, Browns, David right? Bell, David Bell, a uh, former uh, yeah. Warren Central Warrior and Purdue Boilermaker, uh, uh, it was his niece that uh, that delivered. So, well, congratulations that was- on that too at the game. Absolutely. What kind of chaos would happen? If you're trying to deliver a baby during a football game, that sounds like and, that, that could be an episode of emergency that I've fallen back in love with of the 1970s, right there. It definitely, it definitely would be something that would be out, <laughs> out of the ordinary. But the, you know, I, I want to say a couple, couple things. The Colts, it, it's just a total Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I mean, they can't close. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to refer to them as the Colts anymore this year. They're going to be now known as the Indianapolis Steak Knives. Billy, I will see you coming up in Anderson on Wednesday, too, my brother. Ryan, we got to go like 10 seconds, 10 seconds or, or less here. Go ahead. Hey, the different take no one's talked about today. We had 33 seconds and two timeouts when they had the ball at the goal line. Why couldn't we let them score? If Gardner Minshew wasn't getting his neck broke, he was moving the ball down the field. We could have got three points and won the game. Ryan, we'll talk about that further coming up tomorrow. Uh, Also more tomorrow, whether or not Michael Pittman Jr. is really bent or if that was just a reaction after a game or a reaction after a game where he went 75 for a touchdown and they lost the game. That coming up tomorrow. ALCS Decisive Game 7. Astros Rangers 730. We've got Matt Taylor, Joe Wrights, and Rick Venturi. It's going to be a fantastic listen. Top of the hour, Colts Roundtable. James, great job out of you. Stephen Holder, thank you as well. You, the listener inside the lounge, everybody. Great job today. Back with you tomorrow at 3. Have a great night.